0: looking to improve employee retention strategies in your business tired of spending time interviewing candidates only to hire them and then watch them walk out the door a short time later well you've come to the right place when we come back today's guest is going to give you the latest thinking about reducing unwanted turnover in your workforce and why it matters stay tuned this is business confidential now with hannah hassel kelchner helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I've got a terrific guest for you today. It's Rod Robertson. Rod is a managing partner of Briggs Capital, a boutique international investment bank, He's an international entrepreneur who's conducted business in over 15 countries while focusing on developing small to mid sized businesses and taking them to market worldwide. Rod's also the co author of the book, The New World of Entrepreneurship. And I'm really excited to have him here today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Rod. What a pleasure. (laughs) <laughs> Pleasure's all mine rod <laughs> you know employee retention strategies have arguably never been more important than now so for businesses that are looking to improve their employment retention strategies what in your experience are the top things they should focus on especially for the small and mid-sized businesses that don't have the resources a large cap company has
1: Right. You know, 65% of us are employed by small to medium-sized businesses that are under 100 employees. We all hear about the Amazons and the Fangs and all of the big companies. But, you know, really the basis of the foundation of America business has been for entrepreneurial and privately owned businesses. And it's a human-to-human game instead of these organizations where people are getting canned from some guy on the phone with 200 people getting wiped out in a day. I mean, everything we do is so personal in small businesses to medium-sized businesses, and it's more important now than ever to retain your key employees and to treat them correctly with these changing, involving times that have started with the pandemic.
0: All right. So what are the top things? They think they're doing the right things. They think they're being good. Asset stewards, as far as their labor force goes, as far as their employees. A lot of them probably think this is like my family, even though they're not a blood relative. What should they be doing now to make sure, especially with the younger cohort that seems to want to change jobs every 18 to 36 months? Well, I think the younger
1: cohort really has to be patient and educate the older generation ahead of them who are dealing oftentimes with archaic business management styles that they learned in the day of my way or the highway and you know what everyone's taking the highway now so it's very very difficult to impose your standards and your will on people like it was in the old days and what do I mean the old days I mean three four years ago just before the pandemic the pandemic has let the boogeyman loose for some owners but it's a blessing for the owners and management that are really in the groove because if they structure their company right and their incentives and what they can do for employees they're going to be able to just get the best and the brightest from the people that aren't really catering to their employees the way they should.
0: Well, let's talk about some of those incentive strategies, Rod, because when it comes to employee retention strategies, you know, the smaller and mid-sized companies, they don't have that deep a pocket. So what makes sense for them?
1: Giving up a piece of the pie. I'm always shocked. You know, I've done probably... I've led 100 mergers and acquisition deals in the last 15, 20 years at our firm. And we've done growth strategy. We've done so many different things. But there's a common theme is the ownership, for some reason, is just so stingy about sharing some of the profit. If you're going to keep 10 or 15 great employees and you're going to attract another 10 or 15 employees, they're going to boost your revenues 10, 20, 30, 50 percent. And, and instead of you just struggling along the way it is, you know, one brick at a time. Why wouldn't you sit there and cut these people in for 10, 15 percent of the upside? You know, they'll have to stay. They're going to have to earn into it, but let them take pride in the organization so that the ownership can, you know, maybe take the pedal off the metal a little bit and sit back and relax. But there's many different ways to approach how you can get these people to share it. And if you're totally adverse or the company's adverse to cut and key employees and I mean, technically in the share program, there's three or four other different ways to go about it. And when you're going about it, it can be done in a fashion that if the people don't stick, it's not like you're going to give them a stock certificate and they're going to take off. You know, they have to earn into it for anywhere from two to four or five years. Five years is a long time now. It's like an infinity in the way things are accelerating. But if you look at, you know, you can set up profit sharing. This is nothing new that we're talking about, but it really means something now. And how do you do it? You know, you grade out your employees. If it's a smaller business, you can feel them out individually and you don't have to rank them and chart them. And nobody has to know what you're giving each one of them. But those people, if they're sitting there two years into a four-year situation, vesting period with you, they're not going to leave in that last year, year and a half. And that could mean heightened valuations of your company. It could mean all sorts of things to keep your employees. One thing that we're hearing a lot about is boomerang employees. So before the pandemic, the owners sort of had everyone under their thumb. Now the thumb is gone. People are coming and going like crazy. Companies' ownerships were slow to react, and they would sit there and say, okay, well, to hell with him or her. I'm going to just hire somebody else to do it. Well, those days are over. We all know that. The marketplace is radically altered to the point where the employees are just, they're leaving for greener. Or supposedly greener pastures. And what have you done? You've brought in now managers and owners have made a mistake and they're bringing in green people have to train all over somebody they don't know, maybe somebody they met on Zoom they have no personal rapport with. I think these boomerang employees, when you sort of swallow your pride a little bit and you go out there and you go back to them and say, you know, we really miss you. We need you back. We want you back. And I'm going to put my money where our mouth is. And I want you to be part of the profit sharing and ownership of the company. And you know what? Studies are showing 20 or 30% of the people are jumping to come back and you don't have to train them. They're ready to go. Perhaps they weren't having such a great experience in the new world and they come back re-energized and it's a whole new ball game.
0: All right. That makes a lot of sense. And I can see where there's a lot of appeal and how it could be successful. But with those boomerang employees, when it comes to employee retention strategies, let's not forget that those employees left for a reason. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. they're going to come back and a big, big carrot, a bunch of carrots are being dangled in front of them to incentivize them. But does that really change the reason they left? I mean, I've seen studies that say people don't leave because of the money. They leave because of the leadership
1: yes yes but i don't know maybe it's because i'm a bit of a mercenary and always sent around the money and always doing something quantitative it is about the money in the end if people are leaving and they're seeing i think it's 50 50. there's this whole new school of thought which i think is great people now if you're trying to draw somebody to your where you're working and if you work so you know not exactly downtown or in the best area or the best suburb People are renting, giving people first, last, and security deposits on an apartment. People are helping people with closing costs on their homes to tie them into the game and get them to relocate close to the office so that they can jump. They're a little bit tethered. So you know, using this real estate angle has worked out very, very well for some people. And people have actually subsidized people's rents. My goodness, the rents have gone through the roof, let alone the interest rates and people are going to listen to it. If the part of the package is for the first year, we're going to subsidize it. And at the same time, you're going to do some profit sharing with us. I mean, why wouldn't? Then you're getting your salary and you're doing it right. And again, all this is extra 20% layered on for owners and management to have to absorb. But you know what? It's better to hold the fort down than to take three steps back. Because who really wants to go build in the business again, a brick at a time if someone's knocked your wall down?
0: Well, that's a good way to look at it. And I think being able for, especially smaller business owners and founders who have built something from scratch, for them, this is their baby. And it's really hard to let go. And helping them with that mindset as to look how much more you can accomplish if you let other people truly help you and let them share in some of this success that it's not necessarily giving up all control, which is probably a big, big fear.
1: Yeah. I mean, building the business a brick at a time is so painful, but that's the way it was done in the last 30, 40 years in uh, the majority of American businesses. But that day is now with the scalability and the internet and the way people can sell and find, get new customers. I mean, scaling is so rapid. And that's why owners who have been very happy to have, we're growing at a steady 10% a year for 10 years. Well, that is good, especially when the ups and downs of the uh, economy are, are moving about and inflation and other bugaboos out there. But sitting there and sitting back and going, you know what, why don't I bring on three really strong people and time to the mast with me And maybe I can relax a little bit. And you know what? These people are probably younger. And so you can go ahead and do it. And for the young people who are unfettered with this archaic thinking, they can just jump deep into this game and play uh, Mr. and Mrs. Flexibility and just get it going right out of the chute and let these people help build your business into a rocket ship.
0: Sounds like a plan. Definitely sounds like a plan. So with your unique catbird seat in capital markets and mergers and acquisitions and helping companies take to the next level and so forth, when it comes to the deal-making, tell me about the role employee retention strategies play in the valuation process.
1: Oh, that's such a great point. We sit there now, say there's 80 employees, eight are senior managers. The buyers are going to go, okay, the seller maybe sail off into the sunset, but at the very least, they're taking the pedal off the metal. So they are going to sit there and start coasting a little bit. They can't help themselves. They're going to be getting seven, eight figure money. Everyone's going to slow down a little bit. So who's behind that person? We're working on four or five sales right now where the people want to jettison, you know, and go and enjoy life. And who are they bringing up underneath them? So, people are leaving millions of dollars on the table by not grooming the next level of management. Even if you're 40 years old and everyone's with you is 30, or you got to find those people in the late 20s, early 30s, who has that 10 year gap, that energy vacuum ahead of them of a decade that they can push it forward. I mean, the buyers are so smart these days. And we always hear about bad buys, but I'm telling you, most of these buyers. I've been doing it a long time and they're not friends of mine. You know, at Briggs, we get five inquiries a day from people with over 200 million looking to buy small and medium sized business because the stock market's very, very shaky. And no matter what year or what time it is, up or down, inflation, deflation, elections, whatever it's going to be, there's so much money that's better suited to be in small to medium sized businesses. But these people are only going to invest in a company that if management is maturing, that there's got to be a next generation growing underneath it.
0: So how do they evaluate that leadership besides age? People always say, how old are they?
1: Or how long have they been here? Or how long is their employment contract? And I'd say 30 to 40% of our transaction, on 100% of the transaction, people sit down and say, I have to talk to your five managers before we close the deal. And then out of that, I'd say 30 to 40% of the buyers sit there and say, I want these people signed up and we want to define their role. And a lot of times they're gonna elbow the seller off the table from the track, which can be good or bad because it's opening up a Pandora's box. You've had the lid on these people as a seller. And all of a sudden the, the new owner saying, hey, I like what Bob's doing over here. And I think you're gonna have to integrate it into your thought pattern. And you've been holding Bob off for 20 years on his thought pattern now he's smirking because he's there's younger, brighter people who is stroking a check for millions are telling him Bob's is the way to go. So you got to be prepared for change if your ownership and if your Bob's sitting in the wings, get ready because your time is coming. Most every company now and today is for sale, even if it's not. I mean, if you look at Elon Musk, he's out there monkeying around with Twitter, all these different things. Everybody's for sale, even if they're not. It's just the American way. So if everything's for sale, why don't you be prepared for sale? Because if you're not, you can leave millions and millions of dollars of equity on the table that are not related to your cash flow. If your cash flow, your bottom line's $3 million, and someone's going to pay you a multiple of five on the bottom for $15 million. What they're going to say if you're not prepared for the deals? I'll give you ten in cash up front, but you know what? Yeah, your company should be worth fifteen, but you have to do this, this, and this over the next three years, and we'll give you that extra five million. And so now, besides uh, off into the sunset, sure, you're getting your first whack at cash, but then you're going to really have to push hard to stay in the game for that extra three years. And for a lot of people, it's awesome because most entrepreneurs. They lead with their life in their business and they don't really have a lot of hobbies. Their works their hobby so that they can carry on with this and they do, but it may not be for everybody.
0: Well, that's true. And sometimes it's the health issues that cause them to reconsider and then there's not a lot of runway left. So what do you think is holding entrepreneurs back? The ones that are not as open-minded as you'd like them to be. The ones that hold on too long, that keep Bob in his place, that type of thing. What do you think their biggest fear is? The biggest
1: fear is they don't know what outside of their world, they're great at what they're doing. You know, most business owners have 70% of their wealth inside of their business, locked inside, and it's not an easy thing to get it out. So... Everything's changing with the employees. I just finished a European tour last week where I visited seven countries and met with different economic groups trying to get a grip on what they're doing. And the thought pattern, you know, people have no idea. The average full-time American works 34.9 hours. The French, the Germans, and Italian, they're averaging 26 to 29 hours. So you're all working a little bit less these days. And the people are demanding more flex time. So over in Europe, they're really looking hard at the four day work week. So if ownership here in the States, if the people are sitting there, you got people working for 40 hours. If you did four, 10 hours and you gave them a three day weekend, instead of hammering it out and they don't have to drive as much and all of a sudden they can be with their kids, they can take trips, they can do it. You can get the same productivity out of people on a four day work week. I mean, it's going to be coming a lot to the States now, only because the log jam was broken up with the pandemic and everyone working from home, given it or not, they're taking that extra day and half of it's uh, set up on leisure. You know, we all hear about people working home and they're always connected. And that may be true, but I would say over 50% of the people are enjoying themselves with a little more walks, a little yoga, playing with the kids and the pets. So it's a different game out there. but. A great way for people to get one up on the competition and keep draw, get the boomerang and draw new employees is to consider going to a 40-hour week.
0: Excellent. So what would you say the most important thing is that you'd want small business owners and entrepreneurs, mid-sized companies to know about employee retention strategies?
1: You know, one of my big ones is maybe it's because I owned a pet food company when I was an owner. But look at the pets that people want to bring to work and having a great pet program along with the housing. There's four or five different buckets to profit sharing. I mean, if you give somebody five totally unrelated buckets to look at, someone's going to want that, you know. Who knows the the gal with two or three cats that wants to bring her cats to work or the people who have dogs and you're sending dog sitters out for them or dog walkers. I mean, just showing that you're a human being as a boss and mixing it up with the ability to make money, I think is a real winning strategy for managers and owners. I mean, right now and for the foreseeable future, the unemployment rate's not going to go real high. So there's going to be competition and they may swing from the unemployment from three to six or wherever it's going to be. But the great employees are always working and you're not going to find a great employee who's slinging his resume over the Internet to you with a bundle of uh, 20 others.
0: Now, you've co-written a book, The New World of Entrepreneurship. Is there more to the new world of entrepreneurship besides just great employee retention strategies that people need to be aware of?
1: Well, for the world of entrepreneurship, I mean, it's so much easier now to become an entrepreneur. So all the money that's out of the stock market, where is it? There are billions of dollars and thousands of organizations that are sitting out there waiting to invest in entrepreneurs, be they uh, 30, 50, or, or even up to 60 with the people with the knowledge. I mean, everyone... Has an angle on something that they did. And the true business warriors have something that other people want. And so they should pay for it. I mean, there's never been and there hasn't been more businesses started in the last 18 months than prior. I mean, people are just having it. And this work at home has showed people that they can be independent and they can accomplish everything. I mean, I remember I'd be at work at 8 o'clock after an hour of frenzy getting there, and I'd get there at 8.02, and my boss would look at his watch and say, is somebody sick at home? This was the nonsense that I had to deal with, and maybe it's not as draconian for other people, but those days are gone, and it's awesome. I mean, there's never been a better time to be a key employee, and you know what? If you're an employee, you're doing the boss and the owner a favor. If you make, come forth with some ideas that will make you a happier, more productive employee, if you have to leave for kid pickup, if you want to go to your kid's sports, whatever it is, you don't want to be sitting there brewing, and you should be able to go into the ownership with the manager and say, I'll be a better, more productive employee if you can work with me on my schedule, and my schedule will not allow me to work on Fridays. I'm willing to do some spot work over the weekends monday to thursday i'm good to go i'll be your top worker but let's talk about a four-day work week for me and if it doesn't fit after a while you know my family comes first so the key employees you know the employees who are jump 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 it's a different program for them because people can see that they've jumped jump jump so what's going to stop them now maybe stop them as having a good program but there's not as much trust there but if you're in good at work with the founders Managers, owners, then sit down and come up with a real nice strategy that you thinks would benefit the company and benefit for you, and submit it. Don't go broadcasting it to your coworkers or asking them for feedback because the owners don't want like almost like a quick storm of people approaching them with the same ideas. Keep it between you and the ownership, and just go and talk to them, and you'll be very, very surprised that they'll respect you for coming in and. What are they going to do? They're going to say no. If they say no, and then you go back to work and you're a little silent, they're going to sit there at night and think, you know, I really have to keep her. She's awesome. And I want her to stay. And then the 20, 30, 40% chance they'll come back and say, you know, I reflected upon what you said. Let's take the first step together on this.
0: Well, and that's also great advice right there, Rod, for the owners who get approached. Maybe their initial reaction would be, no way, I can't do this. But maybe the better choice is to say, let me think about it and get back to you, because then they'll have time to reflect, as you just mentioned, and they might be able to cobble something together that makes everybody happy. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Rod Robertson, his firm and his book, The New World of Entrepreneurship, that information can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. And if you know someone who'd like to improve their employee retention strategies Please tell them about this episode, share the link, and leave a positive review so others can find it too. You can do that on your podcast app or over at lovethepodcast.com forward slash business confidential. Thanks so much for listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.